before we start this episode, I just wanted to pop in and let everyone know that we mean no harm or disrespect to anyone who's been affected by this case. Uh, we're not trying to reopen it or bring any unwanted attention to the living family and friends that have been affected. And um, we're truly just trying to spread awareness and remembrance for the victims. And um, we ask you to keep them in your memory throughout this episode and hopefully going forward after hearing about this. Hello, everybody. Today, um, we're going to be talking about the Henry County um, homicide slash suicide. It's our very first episode of Deadly Archives, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There you go. <laughs> For sure. I'm Anna. Uh, I'm Drew. And um, we've been best friends ever since we were born, and we really wanted to start a podcast. It was forced. Yeah, and so now we're doing it. We are, we're <laughs> doing the thing. We're starting the podcast. And um, yeah, so the first thing we're covering, like I said, is the Henry County homicide slash suicides, which we set in our pilot, if you listened. So let's go ahead and move right into it then, right? Yeah. Yeah. So first, before we even like really get into anything, we're just going to give you a bit of insight on mm-hmm. the people we're going to be talking about, really. Uh, first, we're going to start off with Corinne. Uh, she was born May 26, 2004. Uh, she's born in Newton, Massachusetts. Uh, she's known as an animal lover. Uh, she loved to laugh. She was very caring. She was a class clown. Everybody knows a class clown. Uh, she's very upbeat. Uh, she had a Norwegian elk hound named Puddin. Uh, she had two cats named Sugar and China. China's a weird name. <laughs> that she adopted from the Greenfield Humane Society. Uh, she also had a chinchilla named Chili. I love Chili. And she had several horses. You have a lot of horses. I only have two. That's a lot. Not in really. My big, those are big animals. No. I have a tiny one. She's like, she's tiny. Like, you can just, <laughs> you can like literally just sit on her and then fall sure. and then land on your feet. Sure. Uh, next we move on to Thomas. Uh, he was born February 25th, 20, uh, 2010. Uh, he was born in Avon, Indiana. He was known as an entertainer. Mm. He had a good sense of humor. Uh, he loved the outdoors. Everybody loves the outdoors. If you don't, you're weird. Uh, and yeah, that's it for Thomas. Uh, next we move on to Candace, mother of Thomas and Corinne. Uh, she was 48. She tended to stray away from the public eye. Uh, she moved, she has moved several times, uh, since this little incident. Um, she, she shortly lived in Greenfield, in Greenfield, Indiana, before Knightstown. Uh, she's the daughter of Thomas and Lisa Cross. Uh, Joseph, husband to Candace and father of Thomas and Corinne. Uh, he was 48, he was retired military, he had a license to carry, uh, he spent most of his day sa- days at home. Uh, he was known to carry a gun on his hip. And he was a child of Joy Wright and Doyle Wright. Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> okay, so piggybacking off of that, we have the children. I'm going to tell you their full names and then their age once again before we move into the case. I'm also going to tell you the root meaning of the word horn by the way, as their last name. Fun fact. Yeah, a little fun fact. fact. um, To kind of lighten the mood before we get into some heavy stuff. So Corinne Nicole... Oh my gosh, sorry. Corinne Nicole Horn was 11, (laughs) as you know. Thomas Cordell Horn was 5. Candace Lynn Horn, or Candace Lynn Cross, was 48. Cross was her maiden name. And then Joseph Lindell Horn, he was 48. And if you have the middle name Lindell, just never do anything ever. I, I know Lindell. He's very nice. And he's this, very smart. Okay, but his middle name was Lindell. Whose middle name is Lindell? 
first of all. Second of all, I have a lot to make fun of him because because of what he did. And also, never, ever. Lindor chocolates. I don't know. They're not the same, but they sound the same. They sound good. Joseph doesn't sound good, though. <laughs> Little Mr. Lindell was not a good person. Um, so, speaking of him not being a good person, we're going to move on to the crime scene. <laughs> Rough transition. Dun, but dun, dun. Sorry. Literally. Keep no, going. no. Okay. <laughs> okay. Sorry. So, um, upon the police arriving to the crime scene, they saw a five-year-old Thomas's body in the window. Um, before that, the reason that the police were sent there in the first place to the Horn family household was because it was a school enticed welfare check after the kids had not shown up to school. Um, the door was locked, but they saw Thomas in the window, obviously, and it was very clear that he was no longer living, uh, so they forced entry. After the police seeing the body and checking his pulse, um, realizing that he wasn't there, they decided to go ahead and go upstairs, search the rest of the house, standard procedure, and when they got upstairs, they found the bodies of Joseph Lindelhorn and Corinne. Also, bringing it a little bit back up before Drew brings it right back down, <laughs> the, the horn meaning um, the word last name horn is from Middle English origin. It's English, Scottish, Dutch, and German. So that's really interesting. It's a fun fact that you can tell your friends that have last name horn. Uh, moving on to the, the just kind of like a, I guess, briefing of it. So we know that uh, Thomas is found by the window. By the way, the, the window is kind of short. It's low to the ground. We have been here, mm -hmm. and we have been on the property in the house. Uh, we've walked around it. Uh, we've been shown where the bodies were found. Which is why we chose to do this case in the first place, just because we um, have a better understanding that we can kind of bring to our listeners. Okay, back to the briefing. Um, Joseph, or yeah, Joseph was found upstairs at the top of the stairs. Uh, Corinne was also found upstairs in her room, and Thomas was found downstairs in the front window of the house. Um, a couple quotes from the, some of the neighbors and family friends. Uh, we have Sheila Robbins. Uh, she was a neighbor. This just does not happen in this area whatsoever. It's just unreal. Uh, we have. Uh, Janine Maddox, also neighbor. I wasn't real comfortable around the man. If he is responsible, it doesn't really surprise me. I feel like those are all pretty generic things. Like that I would hear a lot of people say different crime scenes and stuff. Yeah. Uh, we have Ross Manch, a family friend. It's too bad the kids were the victims. It's a sad thing they had to pay the price. What did they have to pay the price <laughs> of? That doesn't hey, make sense. Yeah. Um, I, okay, so when I heard that the first time when we were researching this case, I thought maybe it could have been in relation to Joseph's... Well, like I said in the title, Joseph's suicide. However, moving forward and when we get to know more about the case, I kind of question that a lot. So you guys can... You guys can think what you want about that quote and <laughs> come to your own resolution. And I have one last quote by an anonymous neighbor. I can't say what I've been told this past week. I just don't want to go there, especially knowing what I know. Question, Drew. Uh, yes, What does Anna? he know? What is, hey, what does he know? I have no clue, but I what want to know he what say? he knows. Or she. We don't know. It's, on, yeah, it's anonymous. Yeah, what they know. But it's like, it really leaves you the question, like, what does this person know and what have they seen? Why are they withholding like, to, that as well? To say something like this. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, this in itself is such a serious thing that, like, I I would never, like, think that someone would just 
tiptoe around what happened, mm-hmm. especially if they knew something that could have been vital to the case. And even though it's it's an anonymous anonymous report, so obviously it was published in, in something, so I can respect their privacy, but that it's such a serious thing for such a small town to go through. Yeah, like what they know could like could have changed the direction of this case completely. Mm-hmm. Like it could have been someone else involved. It could have been uh, like like it could have been anything really. Yeah. And okay, so also um, another thing I want to bring up here, like Drew just said that there could have been someone else involved. We're gonna mention um, the wife's potential ex or current boyfriend at the time. Uh, we are not, like I said earlier, trying to reopen the case or say that someone else did it for fact. We're just um, stating other um, theories that we've seen online and other um, possible avenues that people have taken in regards to this case and the solutions. Um, so, yeah, it is a shut case. It's closed. The dad did it. But we are still going to play. Know of. Yeah. And I was- mean, there were a couple officers that uh, thought during the time that there may have been someone else involved, but they mm-hmm. didn't really have any real evidence that there was someone else involved yeah so they just titled it as a homicide suicide yeah and there was um a private investigation going on too about that ex-boyfriend or current boyfriend of the mom so drew will kind of bring the counter argument to a lot of the things that we're about to say um and like bring in a different party but again we're not trying to say that someone else did this we're just sharing the different facts that we've um gathered from different uh, articles and research reports mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to their, like, their marriage, this also is kind of important to what we're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. Um, after the first few mar- years of their marriage, uh, things kind of got rocky between them. Uh, they moved to Henry County in early 2015. Uh, there has been alleged history of domestic violence, according to the neighbors and other articles. Uh, they filed for divorce in on August 11th, 2015. This is like a week before mm-hmm. any of this happened. Yeah, all of like everything that, that we're talking about right now happened on the 27th, and they filed for the that's divorce. That's kind of suspicious, you know? Like, uh-huh. why, like why would you do this before, point. like, before? Yeah. Know, like, yeah, you know what I'm saying. finalized and stuff. Uh, they also attended a custody hearing the week of the 11th. So, again, like, I mean, the week before the murders, a week or two. Um, so, like I said, that's, that's kind of crazy. Um, so now we're going to move on to the autopsies. Uh, like we had said, Joseph's was a suicide. Um, it showed that his gunshot wound was self-inflicted. Um, the children were not, um, leading us to believe and leading investigators, obviously, to believe that he, Joseph, um, had killed the kids. Um, they died on Thursday, August 27th, 2015, not any, um, day prior to that. So the welfare check was like in the same time frame that they that they had um, unfortunately passed away, and the bodies were moved to Marion County for the autopsies to be performed because uh, Henry County didn't have the who they needed to do it. They had a coroner, but not um, the autopsy like technician and the person that is needed to fulfill what needed to be done. So speaking of Henry County coroners, um, I had talked to earlier this year. Um, the now coroner named Stacy Guffey. Um, but at the time, he was actually the crime scene technician for the case, which means that he um, not only confirmed autopsies, but he also took all the pictures while he was there and kind of did the forensic um, things that he was called there to do. Um, <laughs> like I said, he now works as the coroner um, in Henry County, um, and he's had over 23 years total of law enforcement uh, work. 
So he's got a reputation. But before I say any quotes that I had talked to him directly about and like said the things that he said to me, I wanted to say that we had talked about him. We had talked to him about this case earlier in the year. And I do want to be very clear. Everything that I'm about to say came from him directly and should be taken with a grain of salt because even though he's confirmed this, I have no other sources collaborating what he had said. And there are certain points of evidence that could lead to some different courses of direction for each statement. So everything that he said was confirmed by him, the crime scene tech. However, this was many years ago and, it, and um, things can kind of get a little bit embellished or changed throughout time, which is expected and nothing against him. He's a great guy. Talk to him on the phone, but just take all this with um, a grain of salt. So yeah, starting off with the first quote that um, is definitely case altering, I think, um, especially for the public view is something that he told me on the phone, which is, quote, dad shot himself and was found in the girl's bed, end quote. <laughs> That's kind of crazy, right? Um, because everything or what, what we've been told was that he was found at the top of the staircase. Um and we really know that he was definitely upstairs. We just don't know where. And that's a really big deal because the girl was found in her room. And that could really um, alter the timeline that we yeah, had talked like, about. Why would you kill the daughter, then kill the, the, the uh, son, then go back upstairs just to, like, kill yourself? Like In her room that you've already been in once. And then that completely removes the whole guilt factor of everything because he went back into the room and saw what he had done. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of, like, um, ending his life at the top of the stairs like we had thought. <laughs> so that, that quote can really change a lot of things if you look into it too much or if you look into it at all, period. Um, but this next one is very believable and it also is case-altering as well for the public eye. Uh, quote, the boy died in the back room by the basement stairs, end quote. I know that's a short quote, but that holds so much meaning. Yeah, like, that, like, it could show us that, like, maybe the boy is running. Mm -hmm. Like, he, like these, there's, there's a back door, and where he was running, where he was found was by the back door to the house. Like, he yeah. could have been, he could have heard the gunshot and, like, maybe, like, what the father said or, like, if, like, if there's any yelling at all mm -hmm. or maybe the girl screaming and he could have just, like, bolted to, like, trying to, trying to get away. Yeah. And, so, like, um, maybe he just, he didn't have enough time and he was just killed there on the spot. We really don't know. But uh, it does lead us to believe that he was running. Yeah, and also trying to paint, like, a visual picture for everyone the there's like a little hallway like mudroom thing and there's like a really short like set of stairs i think right that like yeah, lead to in, the basement in the back of the house in yeah. the very very back um and it's like a little mudroom and then there's a basement door across the stairs and then or like next to the stairs and directly across the stairs is the back door um so if he was shot that means that he would have been shot from behind him and like fallen over to the basement stairs like by the door and like this is like a kind like it's a kind of big house like yeah it's have the house. basement like the basement is like the the size of the house like the, the perimeter. perimeter and then you have the first floor the second floor and a attic which is also this like the like this perimeter of the house too mm -hmm. like it's an it's not a small house at all it's an old house there's a whole um i can't remember what it's called it's like um a whole separate house that, like, the in-laws yeah, like, would stay in or something in the uh, old days. In-law quarter? I, th I, think, I, that's, think, so, I yeah. think that's what it's called. I, I don't know. I'm not good with words. 
No, but it's it's an old house. It's a big house. It, two stories. Uh, yeah, it, it is a pretty big house. And the basement door, from so from the basement door all the way to where the boy was found is a lengthy distance. Mm-hmm. Very long. So, all of this being said, if this quote was true, if this really happened, if this where the pictures were taken, that means that the boy was manipulated post-mortem to be moved and staged at the window where he was found. Which, again, gets rid of the guilt. Or maybe it adds on to the guilt, depending on how you look yeah, at it. Because like maybe he wants he was, to be caught. Yeah, maybe he, like, wanted to just, like, wanted them to be found sooner. He's like, the, the windows are set pretty low. Like, you can, mm-hmm. like, you can see someone if they're laying on the floor. And, like, maybe he wanted to be caught and, like, may, like them be found sooner instead of leaving the wife to find them. Because she, at the time, she was staying with a friend mm-hmm. because of the divorce the, like the, yeah the uh, filing for divorce and everything and maybe he didn't want uh, her to find their kids dead and him and him but maybe he like i don't know like he maybe he just wanted uh someone to find them like because like <laughs> I, literally i really don't know it, like it's so hard to put it could have been into this. it really could have been anything like yeah. maybe he just wanted to be noticed finally like maybe like maybe something happened before this yeah or maybe he just wanted to be like a not great guy <laughs> or like for lack of a better not um an appropriate word but he it's so hard in homicide suicide cases because you're just left to wonder and left to kind of think about what could have been the case or what he could have been feeling but like really we would never know what went through his head at that time we can only assume. And again, with the timeline, if he was shot by the stairs, that would make sense. The daughter was shot. He heard the gunshot from downstairs. He ran to the basement. The dad caught him, you know, but then he goes, the dad goes back upstairs after placing the body because the stairs are by the front window, um, like across from it. So it, it makes sense that way. But then like, why is basically what we're trying to get at right now. Like how just why? And uh, at, like, this is where, like, the boyfriend comes into play, and they're also known to have, like, a pretty big debt at the time, mm-hmm. also. So, like, that could also be another reason, but um, I, me, personally, or I don't know how to say it, but yeah, I personally think that maybe the wife is cheating, and uh, he found out the day of, and was thinking, like, hey, like, if I can't have you, literally no one can. Or something like yeah, that. And like, that... maybe he was just... He was so angry at the time that he, like, just... He took his anger out on his kids. And that And then he back. ended up feeling guilty. Maybe, maybe not. Or he just... Maybe he was just really angry and upset that his wife could have done something like that and just killed himself. But we don't know. Yeah. And it goes back to the quote earlier from the neighbor. Like, the where we're both getting those ideas coming from, like, paying the price, the debt, the cheating on, was the quote um, from Ross Manchi? Man- Manch. Manch. Um, quote, it's too bad the kids were the victims. Um, it's a sad thing they had to pay the price. End quote. That, like, the the literal price of being in debt and suffering so much as a family or the price of um, their mother cheating, not saying that she was cheating. We don't know that. It's just... uh, Speculation. Yeah, like, we don't know. It's just our own theories on what, like, maybe, uh, like, what could have caused this, like, what would have led him to do this. Like, I mean, who would do this to their kid and themselves? Yeah. Um, So, moving back to Stacey Guffey, um, the last quote that we have from him today is, um, 
if we had gotten our hands on the autopsy, we would be, quote, shocked beyond belief. Um, the reason that we can't get our hands on the autopsy is because they're closed. And they're also in Marion County, which is a very large county. And um, it's not easy to access private um, closed records, especially in regards to autopsies. So I'm the shock beyond belief could mean a lot of things. <laughs> Yeah, and like not great things, obviously. That kind of leads me to believe, like maybe there was another person involved, like the, like the police officer said, like they they thought someone else was involved, but they didn't have really any evidence that someone mm-hmm. was involved. But like, why like why would you say that? Like maybe wh- why they didn't really investigate too much because the supposed killer was the father, but he's already dead, so there's not really a reason to investigate mm-hmm. any more than that. And like what like if we did find the autopsies and anything that could have shown that could have shown us that there was another person involved, but we don't know. Yeah, and like I said, Drew's not. We're both not trying to say that like someone else definitely did it. We're just trying to show you the different theories and avenues people have taken online and in articles and police reports and everything. Um, and so that's what again Drew and I are doing, uh, just trying to play devil's advocate and showing you both sides of the story. Um, according to different people. So that's all for Mr. Guffey. Um, that's all that he gave us. Very, very kind. Big shout out to him for giving us that information. Um, it really helped move this case along um, for our research uh, purposes. So yeah, that's all I have to say about him. Drew, what do you got? Uh, that's about it. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, we do want to make another closing disclaimer really quick. Uh, before we end the episode. Uh, again, we mean no harm to the family or any disrespect to the people directly or indirectly affected by this case. Uh, we wanted to bring uh, remembrance to the victims in this case. And overall, we want to res- we want to spread awareness that if you do know something and think that a family may be in danger, please say something. Mm-hmm. Like, be- like, before it's too late, like, like these people like yeah the neighbors that said that they knew too much or they don't want to say what they've heard because of what happened you don't want to be put in that position saying that on the nine o'clock news you want to be able to stop that yeah like right now corinne would be 17 a senior in high school Mm -hmm. and thomas would be 12 years old today and that's that's a hard thing to to come to so um yeah, that's, <laughs> that's about it. That's all we have for this case. Um, thanks for staying that, this yeah, long. Thanks for staying a whole 22 minutes. Um, we hope that you um, try to enjoy this. We hope that you will remember Corinne and Thomas the way that they should have been remembered. And yeah, I think that's all that we have for this case. Um, we also want to say really quick, we have a website. <laughs> um, uh, Deadly Archives um, at mail.chimpsites.com. Uh, uh, if you can't get to that website, basically on there we have our email and our social media. We have a Twitter at Deadly Archives and our email is contact.deadly.archives at gmail.com if you want to send us any case suggestions or anything like that. So yeah, that's all that we have and we'll see everyone next time then. Bye! Bye.